Okay, guys, let's head back to our seats. Let's find our way back. Okay, if you would uh, turn to the book of First Samuel, we're going to be in First Samuel chapter three this morning. First Samuel chapter three. Hey, we're getting better at that. Good job. Good job. So yeah, we've been in the book of First Samuel uh, for a few weeks now. Uh, today we're in chapter three, and just because we're we're still kind of at the beginning. I thought I would give us um, just, just a catch-up if you've missed a couple of weeks. The book itself, um, it's placed in the time period of the Judges, um, which is kind of around the early 11th century BC. So the book of Judges, it's, it's this story right before 1 Samuel um, where we just see anarchy and immorality ruling the day. Um, Because, as it says at the very end of the book, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So God's people had rejected him as their king. And last week, if you were here, we saw that the religious leaders of Israel... Um, the priest, Eli, and his sons, they were no exception to the norm. They'd made themselves kings and abused their God-given power to fill their own bellies and satisfy their own desires and selfishness. And as a result, we read the beginning of chapter 3, that the word of the Lord was rare. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. So because of their sin, God had shut his mouth. Hope in the covenant that God had made with his people, it was fading. And there's such striking symbolism here. Would you look at verse 2 with me? It says, At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he couldn't see, was lying down in his own place. So just as Eli's eyesight was fading into blindness, so Israel's hope seemed to be growing dim too. Their eyes blind to God and his words, and and their hearts hardened to his love. It's kind of a hopeless situation, but the whole book of Samuel, it just puts before us again and again this God who humbles the powerful chooses the unexpected and lowly to bring his kingdom to bear on earth. And in this post-judges chaos, we come to find that though God's people have forsaken him, he's not done with them yet. And so verse 3, read with me there. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel who's probably 13 at this time, was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So this lamp inside the temple, it burned all evening long. And it hasn't gone out quite yet. 
there's still a glimmer of a flame there, which means that this is the dark just before dawn. And in the dimness of the lamp's light, we see the boy Samuel, after a long day's work, just laying there by the very ark of God, where his presence, despite his painful silence, dwelt. So hope isn't lost. A new day is coming. And while chapter 3, it begins with the word of the Lord being rare, it ends um, with this. Look with me in verse 21. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. The word of Samuel came to all of Israel. Why is this important? Why, like, why is this such a big deal? Why do we need to hear from God? Well, in the Old Testament, God would use his prophets to communicate with his people, to guide their hearts back to a covenant faithfulness when they went astray. So without his words, they would lose their way. We lose our way when we don't hear from him. Um, It's like Proverbs 29, which says, where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. And not only that, and more importantly, to know God himself is to be in a personal relationship with him. To hear his words spoken to us through his word, through creation, and ultimately through his son. That's why God's people, that's why you and I need To hear from him. So, how do we go from the silence of God to to God's word coming to all his people? The question we'll ask this morning is how does God's word come to all his people? So, let me pray and we'll jump in. Father, we need your word this morning. We need it every day, every moment of our lives. Uh, it's our lifeline, and without it, we, we shrivel up into nothing. And so, Lord, uh, we have ears open to you this morning. Would you speak to us? Would, would we hear your voice? Would we not just read your word like it's on the page, but hear it like it's coming from your own voice Would you touch our heart this morning? Uh, We give you our attention. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So how does God's word come to his people? Well, the first answer to that question is through a prophet that hears. Through a prophet that hears. So this whole chapter, um, chapter 3, it serves as the transition from Eli to Samuel. And we see that even at the very beginning. So in verse 1, we read, Now the boy... Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And this verse, it it should sound familiar because we've heard it before. In chapter 2, verse 11, only there it reads, the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, the priest. It doesn't call him a priest here. In chapter 3, the title is gone Eli is no longer described as a priest. His office is ending. And then the Lord calls Samuel, beginning in verse 4. The first and second time, Samuel thinks that Eli is calling him. 
So he runs from the temple. He runs to Eli and says, here I am. Here I am. And then we're given a reason as to why Samuel keeps confusing God's voice for Eli's. He doesn't yet know the Lord. He doesn't know him yet. He hadn't heard from him up until this point. And now that he has, he doesn't know what to do. Which for me begs the question, how in the world did Eli not prepare Samuel for this moment? This is like priesthood 101. This is entry-level priesthoodness. You could imagine, like, he could have at least said, Hey, Samuel, when you're in there ministering to the living God, he might say something. And when he does, this is what you're supposed to do. But he did, he, Samuel doesn't know what to do. And he doesn't hear the Lord's voice. So the third time, the Lord calls Samuel and the boy, again, he runs to Eli and Eli gets wise. So look at verses eight and nine. So Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So the fourth And final time, man, the Lord, isn't he just so patient? This is the fourth time that he has called out to Samuel. And I think that you and I, we're supposed to start feeling a little anxious here. Because remember, the word of the Lord is rare. And we're supposed to feel like, is Samuel going to miss it? Are we going, like, are they going to miss God showing up in the temple? Are we going to miss out? But... Samuel hears. The Lord calls out, Samuel, Samuel. And he stands in the temple, which means he appears. He's there. It's not just a voice. He, he appears in a vision to Samuel in the temple. And ah, Samuel says, speak for your servant hears. Speak for your servant hears. Relief. Samuel's ears are open. So if, if hearing from the Lord can be difficult for an up-and-coming prophet, then it most assuredly can be difficult for us at times, right? And we see in our text that there are many reasons it can be hard. First, the Lord, the Lord might be silent, The Lord might be silent sometimes because of our sin, our commitment to have the last word, and sometimes because he's just quiet. Sometimes you and I experience what seems universal to every God follower since the beginning of time, which is this dark night of the soul, a very real loneliness of spirit and a felt absence of God. You know, he seems asleep. He seems far away, distant, forgetful, maybe even uncaring. We experience a famine of his presence, his voice, his words. Our souls thirst for him, but we never seem to be satisfied. Have you ever experienced something like that with him? 
Another reason it might be hard to hear him is we might not be able to hear. Sometimes we don't hear the Lord because we've never been shown how. No one's ever told us that he might say something or shown us what to do if he did. So like Samuel, you know, we know our Christian duties. We might know our Bibles backwards and forwards, but never slow down enough. Quiet ourselves enough to get to know and interact with the person and the heart on the other side of those words. Um, A story for you. So part of the process of becoming... um, a pastor is in seminary, you have to do what's called come under care. Um, you have to come under the care of a presbytery, which is just a large group of pastors, elders, ruling and teaching elders, and you have to be examined. So they ask you a bunch of theological questions and, and personal questions. Um, and so I had to go through kind of an interview like this, and I was very anxious to do so. I mean, you're in a room with pastors. <laughs> who are drilling you with questions. And so I was anxious, you know. And the the interview ended, the examination ended, and they asked me to leave so that they could discuss and then come back in. And and they said, Victor, we really enjoyed um, hearing from you. We just, one thing that we want to ask is that you would meet with one of us later on this evening. We just would like to discuss some things with you one-on-one. And so um, I, I did that. I got together with this person, and um, they sat me down and said, again, Victor, we really enjoyed just hearing from you. Uh, We just had some feedback for you, and and me just being kind of wet behind the ears, I was a little too eager. I was like, sure, what is it? Tell me. And he said, um, I don't know if these were the actual words that he spoke, but this is what I heard. He said, Victor... We just feel that you have a noisy soul. You have a noisy soul. And I don't want to tell you all the things that I wanted to say in that moment. Um, And in the moment, and for the next really couple of years, I wrote it off as an ignorant uninvited comment made by a stranger who didn't know me or my story. And there's some truth to that, you know? It probably was a little out of place. But the thing, the comment wouldn't leave me alone. I mean, for two years, just thinking about it, it would come to mind just in the most inopportune moments. And then I think just over time, just reflecting on it, I think i I came to accept that there's some truth to that. I do have a noisy soul. And most of the time, I prefer the hustle and bustle and endless stimulation of life that's so easy to acquire. Can you relate to that? The quiet is too intimidating, so I just give, I give away my presence for another episode of Ted Lasso, for another scroll through Facebook Marketplace looking for that one thing that will complete me. And it never comes, right? So when was the last time you heard from the Lord? When was the last time? I entered into some very amateur qualitative research this week. And I asked my friends that question 
When was the last time you heard from the Lord and the results were not too promising? And so I wonder what you would say. When was the last time you heard from him? Like you knew that it was his voice speaking to you, comforting you, consoling you, encouraging you, reminding you that he is here. Maybe that question, it just brings up pain and anger, like sadness for you. Maybe it makes you numb because you feel like you've been waiting for an answer for a while. Maybe you have questions about what waiting and listening to God even looks like. And I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I, I would love to talk to you about it. Um, because prophet or not, um, you and I are not Old Testament prophets, and that's okay. Um, prophet or not, you need to hear from him. You need to hear from him, and so do I. And it's the only thing that will fill your soul because hearing his voice is like rain on parched ground. It's like a stream of water for an animal that's about to faint in the wilderness. You need it. And it's the one thing that you really need. And you know, at this, I thought about just stopping the sermon at this point and being like, I'm going to give you 20 minutes just to be silent with the Lord. <laughs> But I've been commissioned to preach the whole of 1 Samuel chapter 3. So that might be irresponsible. But we do place intentionally times of quiet and reflection into our service, uh, into our worship service. Have you, have you noticed that? And we do that because um, we do it almost as like giving you a, a divine Q-tip to clean out the ears. I know you guys love it when I mention bodily functions in here. Um, and so what, what would it look like for you to take just a few moments to take what you experience in here on a Sunday morning, the moments of quiet and reflection into your day, into your week, and to say to him, speak, I'm listening. I'm listening now. So how does God's word come to his people? First, God reveals his word to a prophet with ears to hear. And this is important because if Israel's prophet doesn't hear God's word, then then they can start to say things in the name of God that God didn't actually say about himself. And in a way, we can do this too. You know, we can believe things about him that aren't true, that things that he wouldn't say are true about him. We can shape him into our own image. But a true prophet, he hears the word of the Lord. He has ears to hear him. And then, no matter what, he speaks. He he does not hide God's word from his people. So that's our second answer. How does, how does God's word come to his people? Through a prophet that speaks. So here we have Samuel, freshly called by the Lord to be a prophet to his people. And what does the Lord tell Samuel to speak? What is his first assignment? Look at verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel, at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. 
On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall, shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. I mean, this is his first assignment. Do you think Samuel was like, jeez, like, could you, could I have at least like started off with something a little bit easier? This is a hard word. This is a difficult word. And we can see in the next verses just how this word of judgment on the house of Eli, it affected Samuel. So look with me at verse 15. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that he told you? Don't hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. Can you imagine just what Samuel felt like in that moment? I mean, it must have torn him up inside because Samuel loved Eli. He loved him. He'd become a father to him. Eli calls him his son. But Eli doesn't let Samuel hide God's word. And here we see just this great reversal, the ironic upside-downness of God's kingdom. The Lord uses a 13-year-old boy shaking in his little ephod to speak his words that declare the end of Eli's house and the beginning of Samuel's. So look at verse 18. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from Samuel. And he said, this is Eli, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. So Eli receives it as words from the Lord himself, which as a side note is is not always a given. (laughs) Many are the words of a prophet spoken to his people that are rejected. But for once, and sadly, when it's too late, Eli has ears to hear God. So here we see kind of inside the life of a prophet, of an Old Testament prophet, because they're called to tell the truth and the whole truth to God's people. But hear this, they're to do it in a way that communicates God's heart. They're not only to tell God's words, they're to do it, to say God's words in a way that that communicates God's heart, God's own inner anguish, because the Lord loves Eli too. He has been so patient with Eli, given him chance after chance, invited him to repentance And contrary to popular belief and just an unchecked view of God, friends, he doesn't enjoy giving out judgment. 
God does not enjoy giving out judgment. And we see that in the way that Samuel communicates and trembles in delivering God's words. So did you know that we're called to do this too as the church? Um, Old Testament wisdom, it speaks of it like this. This is from Proverbs 27. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Friends, what you need is not friends that tell you that everything is right about you, that affirm all that you are. You need friends who will wound you faithfully, lovingly, gently. Um, The Apostle Paul calls it speaking the truth to one another in love. So do you have a friend like that? Do you have a friend like that? Have you ever felt the healing wound of a brother or sister in Jesus and knew, just knew, though it stung, though it hurt, that what they were sharing was true and from the Lord? If so, then you need to keep them around. Those are good friends. So the rest of chapter 3, we see the Lord establishing Samuel as a prophet in Israel and bringing his own word to Israel. So look at verses 19 through 20. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. Which means that everything Samuel spoke on behalf of the Lord came true. Which was the defining characteristic of a prophet In verse 20, and all Israel from Dan to Beersheba, just the northern southern borders of Israel, all of Israel knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. So friends, remember we we began this chapter with a nation suffering from the silence of God. And now here we are, a nation full to the brim with God's word spoken Through Samuel. God has given us a prophet, and hope is restored. And just to conclude here, friends, this is no isolated event. The gracious movement and speech of God towards the world that doesn't want to hear from him is the norm. Samuel isn't the only prophet sent by God, he's not the first, and he will not be the last. And in the New Testament, we see the end of this long succession of prophets. So Hebrews, the book of Hebrews starts out like this. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So we have to go a few centuries through the story um, until God actually, his word, actually becomes flesh, puts on flesh and dwells among us in his son, Jesus, who dies and rises again from the dead. And he dies for all the times that we have shut our ears to him, that we have closed our ears 
to his voice. For all the times that we've gone our own way and looked to other places for life that could never give it. And he rose and he ascended to his father on high and he sent his spirit to dwell inside of us so that we don't have to be near the ark of God like Samuel to hear from him. No, we can hear from him right now. You can hear from him right now. He is not silent. He is here. Will you give him your ear today? Let me pray. Father, just in this time that we're in um, between Ascension and Pentecost, I just imagine your disciples uh, waiting for your spirit, your promised spirit to come. And sitting just in the quiet, you know, after all the amazing events of your resurrection and your ascension. But was there some doubt there that you would return? Was there some fear there that you had left them alone? And they're just waiting, listening, waiting for you to act. And so, Lord, I just pray just in that spirit for our church. Because there are some of us here who have been waiting for a long time to hear from you. And there are some here who didn't know that you actually speak to us and relate to us and that we can hear you today. And so, Lord, we all need a voice um, from you. We need a word from you. And you've spoken the final word in Jesus, a good word, a word of mercy and grace, a final word that says, There's nothing that you can do that will separate me from you. I love you, and nothing will change that. And so, Lord, help us open our ears, um, just even as we open our mouths to receive uh, the meal that we're about to take. Uh, We look to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.